Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. If you know us, you know we love a good newsletter. With that, we have to tell you about one of our favorites for staying in the know on world events and news. It's called The Cram, and it offers a fresh perspective on the latest happenings. It's short and straight to the point while still not lacking in humor, delivering everything you need to know each day in one text or email. It's a fun way for can't-yet and first-time voters, and everyone else too, to get in the know fast. A tongue-in-cheek way to start off the AM with laughter, knowledge, and a cup of cram. You can subscribe at the link in our episode description and get the cram today. Welcome to Girl on the Go of the podcast, where our goal is to make politics more accessible and less intimidating. The show features an interview with an expert in the political field, walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and more. By providing civic education in the places we are, on our phones, and in the language we speak. And yes, we know, we say like a lot. It's kind of the point, because politics needed a rebrand. Welcome back to Girl on the Gov, the podcast interview edition. We are back and I believe there are, oh, Punchbowl switched it up on us today and said it's three weeks until election day. So yeah, 21, but they usually give like the actual days, really switching it up on me there. Three weeks till election day, 21 days total. What the hell? (laughs) Okay, but here is a really big quandary that we are still trying to figure out an answer for. And that is what on earth do we call ourselves? We were just Mm -hmm. talking about like the toasters, you know, the gigglers. Like I know we keep going to the governors, but like there's gotta be something better. I think it has to maybe not like be a, direct like derivative of girl on the mm-hmm. gov like it, mm-hmm. i think it could just be something like separate that doesn't have to be a play on like our title our name you know i think we just have to that's get true. creative in that sense well regardless we're taking ideas so if anyone thinks of anything please let us know because we've been struggling with this for like what two years now we're what <laughs> two years of this podcast i mean literally our birth. yeah which is also so funny because we are not to pat ourselves on the back, but to absolutely pat ourselves on the back. We're great marketers. This should be a slam dunk for yeah. us. We should know the answer to this question. It is like, does two plus two equals four? And can't do it. I can't get there. Yeah. We'll get punny and think about it a little bit. Now that we like, I think we just have to think outside of we the girl the box. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, always, always. But just not constrain ourselves to like playing off of girl on the gov and just, I think that might help us a lot. Speaking of creative slogans we've come up with and our creative mm, genius i know where this is going we want to also remind you guys that we have a collection of social goods and it is all election focused because we came up with the genius slogan well we like to fully own that we came up with this but i'm sure someone said it before and this totally. and on this earth at some point but friends don't let friends miss elections and we have a really cute pink trucker hat a tote a sticker and a pop socket that all say that, as well as a vote sticker. If you're looking for a cuter vote sticker than the one that your Board of Elections provides you, because the San Francisco one is absolute trash. Ours is cute. But definitely go 
check it out if you haven't yet and and get your orders and i think people are starting to finally get their orders which is really exciting we're seeing a bunch of cute pictures so if you did order something please tag us on instagram and post about it because we want to see all the pics um but yeah there's again three weeks to election day so it's time to get these orders in and make sure you have your cute friends don't let friends with selection merch before um. this election Totally. And here's the thing. And this is why I really love this collection. Well, there's a lot of reasons, but this is one of them is it's kind of evergreen because there's never a situation where letting your friend miss an election is chill. Like it is whether it's a special election that ends up popping up this next year, a local election, there's going to be tons of those in 2023 too. Mm -hmm. potential ballot measures. There's so much just constantly on the election front. It doesn't matter if this you wear the totally timeless. Like it works for 2022. (laughs) It works for 2023. Like there's always an election. It does go out of style. Totally. Totally. Oh, and it's also made me into almost a quasi hat girl. I was going to say, Sam, you've been looking really cute in that hat. And I'm just so happy about it because Sam like has always called herself that she's not a hat girl. She doesn't like how hats look. She said she looks like a Q-tip. And I just don't agree. And she's been rocking the friends and what friends selections trucker hat and she looks so cute so just go check it out they again they're gonna be vintage pieces you're gonna pass them down to your daughters and sons and you just don't want to miss out on this opportunity yeah honestly though honestly i see that i do see that for us but it's linked in this episode description so really easy for you guys to access right now and go check it out and you know what else is linked our top stories episode of course which classic. So if you guys are new here, just as like a quick catch up, our top stories episodes drop on Tuesdays. And it's really a need to know top political stories of the week. As always, it's not every political story that's breaking. And of course, it's only, you know, up to a certain point because it drops on Tuesdays. But we try and cover those stories that you need to know, should know about, keep an eye on for the week. This particular week, we covered Trump's. You know what? This is what's funny. Sorry. Side note. Does not matter how how many months this guy has been out of freaking office he's still like every freaking headline is ridiculous Mm -hmm. but trump's subpoena trump's anti-semitism and then for something not trump related an update on student loan forgiveness and how you can get your monies yo monies so anyways those are the three top stories that we cover in the top stories episode we also did want to make one quick little announcement next week's top stories episode is going to be a little bit different i know i just explained like what the usual format is but it's actually going to be another interview episode special edition recovering all things iran and running through the history running through where we're at now what's you know going to happen ahead and how people can help from from here before we get into this episode there's one little like news piece I'm interested in chatting about because there's been a lot of headlines lately about the Democrats like losing their steam, which is obviously not the best time to be losing their steam. But basically, they have cause for concern that they are fading at a bad time ahead of the midterm elections after a summer surge fostered optimism that the party could um, buck historical trends and retain control of Congress. And so a New York Times Siena College poll released Monday found Republicans held a 49 to 45 lead over Democrats in the generic ballot roughly one month before November's elections. And so that represents a shift from September when the same poll found Democrats leading Republicans by one percentage point. Okay. Which is a huge jump. Huge jump. I was thinking about this this morning because 
pretty much all of the political newsletters had some variation on a theme of this type of news. Mm -hmm. And also, most of the news in those newsletters is focused on polling, which granted, we've seen how polling can be super off and whatever. I mean, it's it's gambling, right? I mean, right, whatever. And then it got me thinking about like the fading out of things and how every elected was running home to be able to campaign or, you know, the RNC has people up in Adam, you know, campaigning on behalf of candidates. The DNC does too. And I was thinking about like, yes, those events are important and having, you know, uh, people show up and obviously connect with voters and all of that. Absolutely. But I think the way that it kind of slows the news cycle in terms of legislative bits makes it kind of tough because like right before they went on this break, there was so much debate about different issues and where they were going to land, like the, you know, Respect Marriage Act, things like that, like people, things that people are keeping an eye on because they really care about them. And now they're out of like, yeah, you're not, no, they're out of the news cycle. Very slow. Especially at the national level. Like I think. I just have a theory about okay. about this. This is, you know, my hopeful theory that this is a maybe per- perhaps genius marketing tool by the Democrats to make it seem like they're losing steam so people get worried and turn out and not not trying to expose anyone, but I don't know why mm. that's where my mind immediately went. I oh, So, okay, I have a counter theory to that too. Though. Okay. And that is... Like sometimes, you know, that feeling where you feel like, you know, it's there's no shot at winning. So why even try? Which I feel like talking to like a former competitive soccer player is like never like a vibe you ever had in your mind. (laughs) But like just the idea of like, okay, why am I even going to bother situation? And I could I could see that. I think that happens in a lot of especially purple and red states where it feels so hopeless that it's like, why even bother and why even turn out? And I worry that on sort of the other half of that that actually pulling data like this could have that impact that it could almost have like a voter suppression type of connotation to it where it's like okay well then why try so Mm -hmm. which always try always show up oh my god please go vote make sure every one of your friends goes and votes friends don't let friends miss elections thank you yeah 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 that's true i think historically that's very true is my vote even gonna matter but i also think because of where we're at that so many people who even aren't usually engaged are like you know that's why we've seen such an uptick of people like paying attention this year because of like row and all the crazy shit happening so i think maybe because of all of that it's enough to motivate people and like do the opposite effect of what historically happens with this stuff but I hope. I just, um, we need to stop being so it apathetic is a big as a country. Jump. What is this new pool of people that they're pulling from? You know, like, how has that jump happen from one month? There's not that many, well, like, moderates that are, like, going between. If you're for Beto or you're for Abbott, like, you're either one. Like, you're not, like, mm, they're just so opposite. Itself. Like, you kind of have to know where I, you're at. Okay. So this is my recommendation with that, though. Watch some of like the Beto campaign has been really good at putting out videos of little like interviews of people that have shown up at his town halls and conversations, people that are formerly Abbott voters. And it's really interesting to see the transition of like why that voter has been like, you know what, actually this time I'm going with Beto. And mm-hmm. it highlights how there can be that change point. And it's weird, like to me, like 
And I'm sure there's people on the right side too that are just like, no, we're like, we're, That's we're true. so independent. In are such attention whores. Like I respect they it. So are. I fucking respect it. Oh my God. But you love the attention. You love getting campaigned to. You love, you know, people begging for your vote. Nobody <laughs> talks about that. Wow. Oh my yeah. God. I but can't I respect believe- it. Honestly, I, I really do. Good for you. Yeah. I wish I was like that. <laughs> I mean, we are attention hoes. We just. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. anyways. But that's, I guess, the revelation of the day is that independents are indeed attention whores and mm-hmm. keep getting that attention, though. I'm, I'm jealous. I would love some of that. Attention. <laughs> yeah. Sharing is caring. Feel free. Yeah. You know what? You can give us some attention by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts and also on Spotify. So that's that's the type of attention that we we welcome. Yeah. We'll, we'll take. We'll, so yeah, that's currency around here. So please help us grow and do that. I do actually want to point out two things before we introduce our guest, which is super exciting. And that is two podcasts that we have been on recently. If you guys know Eco Chic, it is a really fun environmental podcast, climate podcast, gets into all of the nitty gritty on that. And we were able to join and talk all about voting and how to, you know, vote for climate change, what that kind of looks like and all of that good stuff. So go check it out. And then also go listen to us on Baddie's Mean Business. We honestly take the conversation in a bit of a different direction. Obviously, we talk about voting, getting civically engaged, but we also share some fun never have I ever, some recommendations. We just shoot the shit and it's a really good time. So check out both. Give them a follow on the gram, on your podcast app, aka Apple and Spotify and all that biz. And that's really the tea. But I guess we should get into our episode, right? I think we should. I think we should. We have an amazing guest. We do. Facts, facts, facts. Okay. So you might know this guest from a viral speech that is absolutely iconic. And that speech is about taking away women's right to choose in the state of Pennsylvania, as well as elsewhere, but specifically to her state. She's not just a representative in the Pennsylvania House. She's the House Democratic leader. She's a fucking powerhouse. Like, Mm -hmm. facts. Anyways, we got to interview this powerhouse, hence this episode. And we not only talk about what her role is like, like what is the, the day in the life of a House Democratic leader? How does that differ from a representative? Otherwise, does it differ all of those things, like are there elections involved with getting that role? We get into all of the nitty gritty of that process, which is like so tea filled and so interesting. So we love. We also talk about two very important things here, which is the Crown Act. And we talk about hair discrimination, which is a huge part here. We're going to have the petition for the Crown Act, getting that passed state by state in the description here. So feel free to sign that petition, share it with your friends, as well as the email form that you can use, aka template, to tell your representatives to pass the Crown Act. So we have that included. We also talk about the Women's Health Caucus, which really ties back to the spiral speech because, well, it like we said, it was about- We'll link that too. So well, like so many things to link. It's just yeah. links galore. We're excited. You're excited. So without further ado, here is Representative McClinton. Let's get into it. Let's get to PA. Let's talk about your district, which you are representative for, District 191, which first of all, how many districts are in Pennsylvania? Because that is 191. Like, yeah. what? Craziness to me. But regardless of that, can you give us the scoop on this district? What's it like? What are, you know, some of the core issues that your constituents face? 
So thank you so much, first of all, for having me. There are 203 state representatives in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. There are 50 state senators in the Pennsylvania Senate. And District 191 is a community of very caring neighbors, some who live in West Philadelphia, others who live in Southwest Philadelphia, and some who live in our very immediate neighboring suburb of Delaware County. So they're either in the Darby Borough or Yaden Borough area. And it is a truly diverse or a group of folks, very hard work families in my district and folks who have developed community programs, centers. We got places at faves. We have business corridors. It is mostly as well residential in our area. That's awesome. Amazing. Well, uh, Need to visit, first yeah, of all. So definitely. yeah, need all the recs, <laughs> any restaurants, all of that will come through. But we also yeah. want to get into of course, your journey into politics. How'd you get here? How did this all start? What does that look like? Absolutely. So I, as a child, always dreamt of being a lawyer. I am much older than everyone here. An an 80s baby, I grew up watching Matt Locke. And so growing up, looking at him and the team, going into court, investigating things, I always thought I want to go from like six years old. It's ridiculous how early this is something that I just saw me being able to do. And fast forward, went to LaSalle, Villanova Law School, became an attorney at the age of 23 years old, got a job working at the Defender Association in Philadelphia as a public defender, spent seven years working there. And then I got a job working for my state senator as his chief counsel, where I was required to be in our state capital in Harrisburg three days a week for session and was in the district the rest of the time. So my entry into politics came in 2013 when I started working for my state senator. So not even that long ago. That's awesome. I love that. And what was like the catalyst for making you take that jump and actually run for office yourself? So two years into my job in Harrisburg and in our community, he came up and there was a search, you know, almost a bit of a scramble trying to find candidates to run in the seat, trying to find one candidate for the Democratic Party to support. And my senator mentioned it to me and I was just like, absolutely not. I'm not interested. <laughs> Immediately, though. No. Like, yeah, he's like, Joe, you should run. You live in the community. You know, you, you do great work for me. I said, yes. And I enjoy being behind the scenes yeah. and doing great work. <laughs> right. And I'm glad that the conversation didn't end there. A great big brother to me, you know, just kept giving me a nudge and just introduced me to a couple people. And I started to realize while this isn't something I had dreamt about or wanted to do or put on my big, you know, to go to go goals list or dream board. You know, it was an opportunity that should I let it pass me by, given all the hard work I had done as a public defender, volunteer work as a youth minister at my church. Maybe this was an opportunity to like bring everything that I love together. And in 2015, I ran in a special election in August of 2015. And I'm truly grateful to my neighbors for the privilege of serving our community. Love it. That's quite the quite the political journey. I feel like it's like probably a common theme for a lot of people who are like, no, don't want to be the front facing person. Love the, you know, BTS moment. But yeah, super glad you you ended up there because you've been obviously doing amazing work. And to kind of transition, we wanted to get into our I have a stupid question segment and talk about some of the work you do, which is you are the House Democratic leader. Can you talk about that role and really what it does for for everyone? 
Absolutely. So there are no stupid questions in life forever, <laughs> but I am the Democratic leader. So there are seven leadership positions in Harrisburg for each caucus. I'm a Democrat, so I'm a member of that group. And there are 90 members total. And as the leader, I'm the highest ranking member in our caucus. It is my role to set the agenda for our legislation, to cast a vision for our members, to uplift their voices when I'm representing them in meetings with the governor or with entities. Like I am their voice as we debate on every single issue as the minority leader, I get a final say for any Democrat for on any issue. You know, when it goes to debate on the floor, I get a seat at the table when we're working on the budget. I was a part of the redistricting commission this year. So I helped create the new map on behalf of my caucus. And I lead the infrastructure for our whole caucus, which get this, has almost 700 employees from oh IT God. professionals to communication professionals to legislative constituent services. And our goal is to simply give back to every community where we serve the neighbors. Where we have district. We do, you know, a lot of in the leader's office. And usually people who are elected leader have been there for decades. I am very fortunate that my colleagues early on in my career were able to entrust me with this responsibility. You know, my predecessor was in the was in the house 20 years before being the leader. And I wow. had only been in the house for five. So I consider wow. myself very fortunate. And I just work really hard to advance everybody's common goals alongside of the other leaders. Wow. Amazing. And to that role and that day-to-day -day and everything that goes into it, is there a part that's like your favorite you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I get to do this. It's super exciting and I'm I'm obsessed with it. I absolutely love the debate on the floor. I don't speak on every issue because I don't want to, you know, wear people out, wear, my, <laughs> wear myself out. But when it's a really high, urgent issue that's popular amongst our members, it is nothing more important to me than being able to have the final word to persuade other members, even across the aisle, before they cast their vote. I think that might be the six-year-old dream of being a lawyer speaking all over that because I I see it all. But speaking of this role and your predecessor and you know that person being in office for 20 years prior before getting here, you know, that's one journey. That's one journey to getting to this particular position. What is more, is there a typical journey for getting to it like that? And then yours is sort of the contrarian and the new path that we're seeing towards these type of roles. Is there any sort of theme or typical process that goes on? Sure. So the typical process, most of all, is usually just getting tenure in the legislature. When you get tenure, you know, you come in with a class and, um, you know, they go by last name on who becomes more senior in that class. So Cantor's before McClinton. So you would have more seniority to me. So when it comes up to be a chair for a committee, you'll get one before I do. So normally people serve, they become a committee chair. And then they run to be a member of the leadership team. Maybe someone's retiring in the leadership team and they usually work their way up through there. I was a little bit non-traditional because three years into my service, we were seeing a big change in leadership team in 2018 and I ran to become the caucus chair. So I became a member of the leadership team, the first woman to do that job, the first person of color to do that job. And then once our leader 
sadly lost. You know, the voters decided they didn't want him. They wanted to choose someone else. When he was defeated electorally, my colleague said, you know, you're already in leadership. We've never had a woman be a leader. Why don't you run? And it's something that we run against our own colleagues and we get to decide. And I had an opponent. It was a contested race and the members overwhelmingly decided that I should be their leader. Wait, so does that like get nasty at all? Do people walk away friends or frenemies? What is that? What does that look so like? So I am definitely proud that I walked away with a friend. I did not start the process in a way that was negative. And for me, I didn't end it because we're all working together in Harrisburg. Right. So even if we see one spot and we both are qualified to compete, because anyone if you're elected, there's no rule that says you can't run because you were just elected. So anyone could have mm-hmm. ran, right? Anybody, whether they just <laughs> were elected in November of 2020 or whether they, you know, served out more years than I've, you know, been alive. Like, right? Like anybody can run. It wasn't nasty. And it is something I work very hard on to build camaraderie and to make sure that I maintain it because I recognize like the yeah. same way I have a skill, other members have lots of skills too. Yeah. Well, speaking of skills and just like different roles that, you know, this, you know, leadership takes on, can you kind of explain to you what other roles are within this like house leadership bucket? Oh, yes. So the number two position is the whip and the job is to whip votes. So they count to see how many votes in our caucus are for an issue or how many votes are against an issue. The next one we have is the appropriations chair. That person makes sure that everything budget related is being handled because they chaired a committee that the budget must come through. The next one, we have the caucus chair, which is my previous role. They run all the meetings every time we're in Harrisburg. Before we vote on anything, we talk about all the legislation. The next one is our caucus secretary. They work very hard to do communication amongst the members to organize all of the bills so people know whether or not they want to become a sponsor on a bill. And then finally, we we have the caucus administrator. So they basically make sure that you have everything you need in Harrisburg, everything from a parking spot to your office needs. So we've got seven spots and those are the leadership roles. Wow. Whole gamut of of issues there. I have one more question on that front, which is the parking spot front is there a fight over the parking spots how does how does that happen sam clearly just wants all the tea i do because now i'm like imagining (laughs) i'm imagining like the episode of the office where they're all fighting over the parking spots and that's just apparently where my head's at today so you know well it's all good sam the good news is they have enough spaces for everybody in the building Uh, so nobody has to you know walk blocks and blocks away and other people are up close they do however have limited amounts in every part so for me Mm. i kept the same spot for five years i had to change well i didn't have to i changed it when i became leader because it's just a shorter route to my new office but from the time i came in the special election of august the 15th I kept that space for the whole time until I got this job and now I'm parked somewhere else. But I mean, it, I haven't seen fights break out, but they also <laughs> manage the seating on the floor. Now, that's Ooh. where people say, well, I don't know if I want to be sitting next to Maddie in long hours. I want to sit at the end of the aisle. I mean, I'm just glad it's not my job. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Amen to that. I love it. Oh. It's like a well, wedding seating chart, <clears throat> but yeah, political totally. edition. 
the political edition there it is well moving on we want to talk about some pieces of legislation as well as just other you know work that you do in the house and the first thing we want to talk about is the crowd act can you kind of explain really first what this is and yeah let's just get to the basics what what is the crowd act yeah, so the Crown Act is an acronym and it stands for creating a respectful open world for natural hair. And it would end hair discrimination in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And it would make sure that everybody's able to feel comfortable in their own skin and that particularly people of color predominantly, but of course it's not exclusive in the African-American community. You see people with natural hairstyles, with locks, with braids, with afros and and sadly, some youth have been discriminated against. We all know about the 17-year-old in New Jersey years ago whose locks were cut immediately by a referee in front of everybody. It's, it was very humiliating. It wasn't fair. And it didn't interfere with his ability to wrestle. But we see also adults face discrimination when they're trying to get resume builders, jobs, mm. internships. And we have seen 22 states pass this. So it is a common thread. It's catching on. The United States House of Representatives passed it earlier this year. Hopefully the Senate will take action on it. I'm not on wood, but we want to pass it in Pennsylvania so that we yeah. can have it there yeah. as well as the law. Totally. Totally. And thinking of Pennsylvania, of course, What's been the landscape as as it relates to this bill? What have people been saying about it? What has the debate looked like? And sort of, you know, where is it at? So I do believe firmheartedly that if my caucus Democrats were in charge at the moment, it would have passed a long time ago. It is not a controversial issue, but the pushback that I continue to get from Republicans is we don't want to deal with anything regarding race. And it's like, this is simply adding a clause, like literally yeah, it's yeah, the shortest yeah, bill. Yeah. It adds, like you can already say it's a part of racial discrimination, right? This is just narrowing it in so you have an added layer of protection. So I have been back and forth trying to persuade them to run the bill for the second session now, and it has not ran. And I'm not discouraged. You know, we're just going to keep fighting until we can get it across the finish line. Yeah, totally. Are there is there anything that voters can do maybe to help push this over the finish line if they can call their reps, if they can join like a hearing and testify or like what are some of the things you can do as as a constituent? Yeah, so I know that the folks listening are from all over. So you may not be in Pennsylvania, so I encourage you to go to the crownact.com where you can find out if your state has passed it. And if you live in Pennsylvania and you want to communicate to your legislator, you can go to my website, repmcclinton.com or pahouse.com forward slash McClinton. It's a lot of C's, <laughs> but you can go on there. And, and if you see in the top right corner, it will say, contact my lawmaker about the Crown Act. So mm -hmm. we definitely want people to get involved and communicate that if it's a priority for you, then let your state representative know because it should be a priority for him or her as well. And your senators, call your senators. So right. we'll put that in there too. Love it. Absolutely. Well, we want to talk about another thing, and that thing is the Women's Health Caucus. But we have to do, you know, some layers, some basics here. So can you tell us what a caucus is? 
Absolutely. So a caucus is a group of elected officials that work together on a specific issue to advance legislation bills around that issue. Sometimes it's organized by your political party, like the House Democratic Caucus. That's the group I lead. So everybody here is a Democrat. And then other times it's on issues. So the Women's Health Caucus focuses entirely on making sure that issues regarding women's health is addressed through policy changes. And they're delegations, but they're a little bit different. They're based off of where people live and caucuses are mostly on issues. Okay, got it. Is there a difference between a caucus and a delegation? Can you kind of explain that too? Sure. So all of us are automatically in a delegation when we get elected to the Pennsylvania House. And it's based off of the region where we live. So I'm in two delegations. I'm in the Philadelphia delegation with all Philadelphia members. And I'm also in the Southeast delegation because I serve neighbors in Delaware County. So the Southeast goes from the neighboring counties all the way to Dauphin County. Mm, okay. Got a little ge- Got like geographical moment. Yes. Got exactly. <laughs> so many layers too. Yeah. Like I feel like on a resume too, all the things you're a part of, it would be a whole page. Oh. It would literally oh, be a yeah. whole page. Maybe double, double-sided, double which, hmm. Okay, anyways, now I'm getting to a, like a whole resume design thing in my head, but we have to continue on about the Women's Health Caucus. So you know, you mentioned some of the focus of it, but what is new with it right now? What are you guys working on? What has been the talk of the town? Or the talk the of women- the caucus? Sure. <laughs> Women's Health Caucus, it is state reps, And it's also state senators, and they are entirely focused on being able to do issues regarding women's health. So that's everything from being able to access birth control to making sure that there is no health care discrimination to ensuring that women have reproductive rights in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And it's been a really good source of information. When we dissect bills, we recognize that some people have a stronger interest or a passion in an issue. And so in this era where we have been post the decision in the Dobbs that the court made in June, where they decided to make an ability for one to seek abortion care as a part of states' rights. There's no federal protection any longer. So in this age, the Women's Health Caucus has been very active on educating, on having informational hearings and sessions, and really breaking down complicated issues so that each and every one of us can understand them. Mm-hmm. Got it. Well, it's obviously reproductive freedom is very much on the line right now. Um, as we know, it's been a it's been a tough year. What has Women's Health Caucus really been looking to do in terms of legislation regarding, you know, a woman's right to choose and the whole gamut of issues when it comes to women's health, especially in light of, you know, the past few months? So the past few months have been so difficult as a woman to lead our caucus. It's like a personal assault. I do not think it's fair that anyone on any court should be able to tell any one of us what we can do in terms of our health. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's fair. And our Women's Health Caucus, the good news is they've been working on bills to keep Pennsylvania as a place where abortion care is safe and legal. They have bills to rewrite the Abortion Control Act so that they're There aren't so many burdens that we already have. They want to amend our state constitution to protect abortion rights. They want to make sure that there is never any sort of law enforcement punishing abortion providers or women seeking abortion. And they also want to make sure that there is always access to Medicaid abortion 
and by allowing nurse midwives, nurse practitioners, physician assistants to be able to practice it so that we don't ever find ourselves in a situation should it still be legal and that we're fighting very hard to always have it legal that we are without providers. Mm-hmm. Wait, I'm curious too, can you kind of also paint the picture of really what reproductive freedom looks like in Pennsylvania specifically? I mean, I think obviously like every state is so different right now. And, you know, there's some that are very much safe havens, but there's also some that are, you know, at risk or already fully banned. Can you kind of paint the picture of where Pennsylvania lies and the potential future of reproductive freedom there? Well, Pennsylvania right now is in a good place, but we have an election that will determine a lot in terms of the future of people being able to to seek abortion. On Tuesday, November the 8th, the number one office is the governor's office. It was totally open. There's no incumbent. People will have two choices on where they will fall with either choosing someone who's been very clear that they want to criminalize abortion or choosing someone who said that they will stand up, protect women, defend women. Then the next big seat is United States Senate. There is a basically ability to add to the Democratic majority in Washington, D.C., because our incumbent senator decided not to run. So we see that as a bill, as an opportunity, and in other ways to keep abortion safe is to make sure there are state lawmakers who support it in the entire House, all 203 seats, Sam, all of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives is on the ballot. So wherever you live, there is a race this year for state representative. And people are usually very clear for the most part, but not exclusively. 99% of Republicans are not supportive of abortion care. Um, and I'd say on the other side, 99% of Democrats are. So I have been encouraging people wherever they live to really look at the Democratic candidate to see if that's who they want to cast their ballot so that there can be protections in Pennsylvania going forward. Because while we're a safe haven right now, people from Ohio can travel here. People from West Virginia can travel here. It is very possible that our state could go the wrong direction. And it is very scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of that wrong direction, I did see a bit of news about what the Republicans were trying to pull in terms of constitutional change in PA. Can you give us the tea on what that entails and also how you know voters can hopefully stop that? Yes. So the quickest way for voters to make sure that our constitution is not changed to ban abortion is to elect a Democratic majority in the House of Representatives. And as I was saying, just about in almost every instance, like 99 percent of Democrats are supportive of this, if not 100. And as a result, if we are able to add to our numbers, then the second passage, because to change our constitution, you have to pass the bill twice in two sessions. So we're in a session now and a new session will start in January. Our last day of session, Friday, July the 8th, the Republicans late at night without giving us the ability to amend or to meaningfully debate this issue, passed a bill that would ban abortion with no exceptions here in Pennsylvania. So it's ice cold, it's startling, it's horrific, it is unacceptable. So we are working hard to make sure that there are enough Democrats in the House so that the bill will not pass again. Right now, because we have 90 members, that bill would pass again and then it would go on to the voters. So we're not going to get ahead of ourselves. We're going to go one election at a time. We're focusing Mm -hmm. on November to do everything we possibly can to get folks out to make sure that they know that this is really on the line. And this is not about each of us, right? 
and we're all girls here. It's not about each of us. It's about all the other girls and women in Pennsylvania. And if we want to protect everybody, then the truth is, and I use this little line, but it's true. When I go to my doctor, I can't bring my colleagues with me. It's just right. myself and the doctor. Like, it's no room for the Speaker of the House. It's no room <laughs> for the Republican majority or the Democratic minority. It is just me and my doctor. So we need to ensure that the decisions made in that room and the confidence of that room and in the care provided continues without any restrictions. That just totally. reminded me of the Moms Against Greg Abbott or whatever <laughs> commercial they made where the doctor has to, like, call Greg Abbott in, in the doctor's room, like... It's just not, it's not how it goes, okay? So not, not a thing. I have one more technicality slash technical question. Okay, so say the bill, aka the bill passed, or the idea that the Republicans want this constitutional change this summer. Say then the next session, it's voted no again. Is if it comes back up, would it have to be a totally fresh agenda, fresh bill, or whatever it would be? And then have yeah. to sort of start the process all over again. That's or, correct. You're okay. you're totally right. You're totally right, Sam. So if there were not enough bills for that to move, excuse me, enough votes for that bill to move from the House to the Senate, then they would have to wait because it, it's it starts all over again. The clock starts again, but it wouldn't be until this current the next session would be out. So they don't have enough bills to get it passed, then they would have to start again in 2025, which is a good thing to keep pushing it it and pushing it and pushing it further away until it never is something that's a reality here. Because the idea that you can't get medical care here when there are so many different situations that are just, frankly, nobody's business except the woman making those choices. Mm -hmm. Well, to... Talk a little bit more about like just action items to wrap up for everyone listening. I mean, be it Pennsylvania, but even beyond, do you have any other things that voters and constituents should keep their eye on? There's more piece of legislation to call and say, yes, I support this or maybe absolutely not. Do not. I don't support <laughs> this. Like what are some other things that people can look for? We got like the voting piece in too. obviously huge election year. But is there any other you know piece of legislation or even, you know, other things to support and speak up on? So the biggest thing for everybody listening to realize while we have to take care of ourselves, our families, take care of our schooling, public officials work for you. You're a Mm. part of the public. They are not in some castle called the state capitol where they can do what they want. We work for the people. So it's the will of the people that can prevail on this issue where it's health, on the fact that we haven't had a raise in the minimum wage in such a very long time, on the fact that we don't have, you know, free community college. I mean, there are issues that affect you and you have a good idea. Let your state lawmaker know because we are the voices for the large community, but we don't have all the answers. We work in concert or together with our neighbors. We need your ideas. We need your support. And we know that everybody doesn't have the time to to be on a campaign or to go work at a district office, but you can send an email. You can Mm -hmm. leave a comment and you just don't know what that idea can do to make sure that Pennsylvania is the best place possible for us and for all the next generations that are going to come here. Yes. Love that. Love that piece. Well, thank you so much for coming on sharing about this role, sharing about the work you guys do. We really appreciate your time. And is there anywhere that people can find you, social media, websites, where can people look for you and support you? 
Yes. So on the official side, it is Rep McClinton on every form of social media. Rep McClinton. It's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On my personal side, which tends to lean a little bit informational for what's going on in my district and also campaign, you can find me on Twitter at Joanna for PA and on Facebook at Joanna for PA. My Instagram is just my name with an underscore Joanna underscore McClinton. I'm trying to pull up my TikTok. Um, (laughs) Of course, it's not coming up fast enough. But if you put my name in, you will find me on TikTok. And maybe the two of you can teach me how to do TikTok. (laughs) Yes, we can definitely (laughs) chat for sure. Well, thank you again. This has been awesome. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.